On today's show, my Indian co-host is going to explain to me why South Asians, that's South Asians, right? Is that correct terminology? The Asian subcontinent, Southeast Asians. Why they are not good at sports? Well, that's not really true. You know, I mean, we do fine. How many NBA players you got? We have one out of a billion so far, but we're hoping to have more. Yeah, but, you know, look, we do great. We do great at cricket. We do great at the Indian Olympics, namely the geography and spelling bee. Does it have anything to do with heart disease, per chance? Well, listen, you know we have very tasty food, but instead of worrying about how many medals we've won, maybe we should discuss why we are at increased risk of heart disease than the average person. And I'm also going to pick your brain about video games. I, I know you have a child, and I have a child. I have two children, okay. and they love video games. But, um, you know, when, when I grew up, it was a whole different scene. But uh, we'll delve into that, so stick around. You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Drs. Clinton Coleman and Suraj Sugar, the not-so-average health show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare. I didn't realize you South Asians were so unhealthy. You know, it's not that we're unhealthy. It's just that we have certain uh, genetic, and which we're going to talk about today, attributes that make us more susceptible uh, to metabolic diseases, diabetes, high cholesterol, and heart disease than the average Joe. So let's dive into well, it. I'm a, I'm a little slow. Can you tell me what makes a South Asian? Is there a Mason-Dixon line in Asia somewhere? Or so is it South, Himalayan mountains? Southeast, Southeast Asian is, ter- is the proper terminology. You're really talking about India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, Nepal, and Bhutan. So in other words, about approximately 20-25% of all humanity uh, is incorporated in the Southeast Asia. How much? 20 to 25%. We're talking, what, one, almost 1.7 billion? It's a fertile group. That's a big group, very big group. But again, this is a huge public health issue because we're talking of such a large number of people. And so let's backtrack a little bit. Cardiovascular disease, we've talked about before, is number one killer globally. And of any minority group in the world, Southeast Asians have the highest rate. So That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. And not only that, but it's also important, not just in India and other parts of the world, but in America, we're the second fastest growing demographic. 25% of the world, A, huge public health problem. It's huge. But Because I, I remember training right, and part of my cardiology rotation, we saw tons of South Asians. Like, So we, in general, since I'm South Asian, have four times the risk of heart disease. But they're not they're overweight. They're they not. No. And that's... Eat relatively healthy you know a lot of them are vegetarians right right so let's dive into this you're absolutely right we have four times the risk of heart disease and develop disease up to a decade earlier uh, than other ethnic groups so why is that you know we have high cholesterol we have high triglycerides altered uh, we call dyslipidemia diabetes at lower body weights than other groups so in other words as a physician you need to know if you have a Southeast Asian who has a BMI of 25 or less, it doesn't mean you don't screen them for diabetes, high blood pressure, and other metabolic diseases uh, because they tend, we tend, to develop these metabolic diseases at much lower BMIs. And that means body mass index. Right, In other so words, your high proportion. That's right. So it's weight. not your typical, well, this guy's very obese. Uh, I should screen him for diabetes. You can have someone who's very lean, who's actually very thin, as many Indians are, the typical body habits, and still have these metabolic problems. You know, that has to do with where you put your fat. So where does your, most of your fat go? Do you have any fat? You're pretty lean. I, I'm pretty lean. I have no fat. So you but, have no uh, fat. Okay. So, But, you know, the average male in America and the West has what we call subcutaneous fat. So they have fat right under the skin. Now, if you have central obesity, that is the fat, so we call visceral fat, fat that goes into your organs, into your liver, into your muscles, like most Southeast Asians store their fat, well, they're much more at risk of 
metabolic problems than, uh, than those who have subcutaneous fat. So that means even if you're thin, you have thin arms, you have skinny arms, you have skinny legs. You have fat in the wrong places. You have fat in all in the wrong places. That's right. And that leads to high levels that we call calcium in the coronary arteries. And by the way, unfortunately, no matter how much I run, how much exercise, no matter if I can do 40 push-ups or more, you're born with your coronary arteries the way they are. And is that a different type of fat or it's what's that? Like visceral versus sub-Q fat. So visceral fat is different. That's the fat that's so-called central fat. And it also leads It's more than just where it's located. It's where it's uh, stored, right? So it's stored in the organs, in the essentially in the abdomen, as opposed right. to subcutaneous. So you don't have fat just under the skin. But this also leads to higher levels of calcium in your coronary arteries. And by the way, Southeast Asians have smaller coronary arteries. So if you have coronary arteries that are smaller and more likely to get calcium put in, what's going to happen? Increased rates of heart attacks. Is that why they're not in the NBA or, well, or the uh, Olympics? You know, well, you know, we, we play cricket. Remember, cricket's a beautiful sport. You have time to – you wear whites, very civilized. You wear uh, nice clothes. You take time for tea, et cetera. Again, we, we, we seem to, in general, uh, shine more academically. Engineers. Have you been to a geography beer spelling bee? It's all Indians. No. Have you been to any PhD program in the United States? All Indians. I've watched it on ESPN, though. They're pretty good. <laughs> they have the script spelling bee. They have the National Geographic geography bee. Right. It's actually very uh, uh, competitive. But listen. But we, I never thought of the th- – you know, to think of South Asians as, you know, so risk, risk, you know, risk prone. prone. Yeah, risk prone. Well, that's why it's important we're talking about today because one, healthcare providers, any doctors that might be out there, you need to know uh, uh, your patients. You need to make sure that you are more aggressively screening your Southeast Asians, even if they are thin and have lower BMIs or body mass. So you can't rely on family history. Well, it's a combination of family. Of course you can. So if I look at my no, family No, not history, only on family history. So I'm not looking at a South Asian and saying you, you know, should be more aggressive with them. You don't have any, you know, your family history is okay. Right. We still need to do, you know, further testing to make sure that uh, you're not at higher so risk. So there's actually an initiative called Screen at 23, which basically means even a BMI's body mass index of 23, screen your Southeast Asian patient uh, for these metabolic diseases. Screen them, check their high, check them blood pressure, check their hemoglobin A1C, make sure they don't have diabetes or pre-diabetes, check their cholesterol and their lipids, et cetera. So be much more aggressive. And we talk a lot on the show about cultural competent uh, care, right? And part of it's knowing your patient, you know, and then knowing your patient's socioeconomic uh, status, knowing their own unique health concerns, right? Something based on culture, what have you. So let's look at your typical Southeast Asian. Uh, they find that if you, the Southeast Asian, uh, who's a first generation like myself, that means a first generation born in this country, outside the home country, if I maintained a typical diet uh, that was of my country of origin, so even if it's vegetarian, Indians eat a lot of white rice, like a lot of people do in Asia. A lot of carbs. A lot of carbs, a lot of fried foods, a lot of sweet foods, a lot of sugar added. A lot of ghee. A lot of ghee, so clarified butter, uh, sugar in their chai, which you know we all love chai, or at least so I do. It's so good. It's so good. If the first-generation uh, Indian takes a total Western diet, so red meat, processed foods, they also will have premature uh, heart disease. So what I try to do and what I try to advocate is having a combination of both. You know, I don't eat any red meat because of my religion. All right. So but, if you but I do if you stick to traditional diet right. on one side or Correct. a total Western diet, you're at high risk. But if you're somewhere in the middle. That's right. So kind of having the bicultural uh, aspect, then you can lower your risk. So, you know, it doesn't mean you need to start eating red meat, but maybe cutting out the carbs, exercising more. Uh, and so I know, for instance, and I even tell my child, uh, you know, 
try not to get out of the habit of, of eating sugar. And he'll say, well, gee, that everyone has dessert after, uh, after uh, dinner. And I tell him, look, you have genetic components that make it riskier for us to have this uh, uh, routine, of, routine, a routine of having dessert after every meal. So you just got to mix it up. Mix it up. So you know, you as, do like as Taco Tuesdays and then we do Masala Mondays. Masala Mondays, that's right. I can't think of any W. Uh, w could be, um, hmm. We'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. How about Thursday? Anything for Thursday? Nah. Again, back to tacos. Tacos. Taco Thursdays. Yeah, and then, and then maybe fried Fridays, you know, just because it's ah. Friday. So you like that. Maybe a little fried chicken Fridays. But you're absolutely right. It, we have to have kind of take the bicultural approach uh, and, you know, take, incorporate good from both. But also understand that, hey, look, just because you're vegetarian doesn't mean that you are uh, healthy. And just because you eat meat doesn't mean you're not healthy, right? If you're eating lean meat, it's better than eating being a vegetarian for an Indian, uh, uh, you know, religious issues aside. Um, but then eating a lot of uh, unprocessed carbs like white rice, which, while very tasty, really has very little nutritional value. Eating high dairy fat, which is also a big part of the Indian diet. And also a lot of added sugar, which is also a part of the Indian diet. So I think it's extremely timely and important given the size of this population uh, globally, as well as the size and the growing demographic in America. Again, second fastest growing demographic uh, in the United States. That if this is unchecked, this becomes a huge public health problem downstream, right? All the issues with heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, all the economic and socio uh, impact that that will cause. So I think it's really important for us to discuss this today. Uh, you know, I wish we could, uh, I could have a better answer for you in terms of the Olympics. That's to be determined. If you guys get somebody in the NBA. Well, you know, there was a very... Uh, the, ex- Knicks, the Knicks need a good Indian player. Knicks need anybody. Yeah. They need somebody, you know, pronto, right? So that, that, it goes beyond. I'm not sure we're able to help them. But in the meantime, you know, I always tell my Southeast Asian patients, we focus a lot on academic, professional success. A lot of times we don't talk about health success, and that's equally, if not most important. Uh, so I think it's, uh, it's something if you're out there listening and you're of Southeast Asian descent, uh, you know, inquire from your physician. If you're a physician, you have a lot of Southeast Asian or any Southeast Asian in your practice be aware of this uh, issue of smaller coronary arteries, of developing uh, all these metabolic problems at, even at lower BMIs, so you can be thin and still have all these issues, and being aware that you should be more aggressive with uh, screening them, testing them, and even treating them. You might start statins, for instance, at a much lower BMI or lower cholesterol level than you would another ethnic, uh, 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 a person from another ethnic background. Instead of treating everyone the same like we normally do. So. Yeah, so you can't. Look, we're all human. We all belong in one humanity. But in terms some of medicine, of us, most of us, there's some who remain nameless that perhaps uh, come from a different cloth. That's right. But, in, but when it comes to medicine, you know, a one-shoe-fits approach never fits. You right. always have to tailor it uh, individually, but also look along ethnic and cultural uh, uh, grounds uh, to see what's the best care we can provide. Oh, I feel like I know you better. I feel like I have a, a connection. Do you have a warm, fuzzy feeling inside now? No. Okay. But um, you're going to tell me about video games. You, you, you got a video game system? You play with oh, kids? Oh, man. You know, uh, so I started as a kid, Commodore 64. Actually, I started Atari 2600 playing combat. I'm older than you. You probably forgot Commodore that. 64 came before Atari. No, Atari 2600 was first. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Well, Some other that. people in the studio that are nodding their heads, too. So so we have an Xbox One. I don't know about you. but uh, PlayStation 4. Oh, no, no. I've always been a Microsoft guy. But, look, it's a hot topic in our household. I'm sure a lot of households. You know, the one side, like us, like my wife and I, we're very strict. Uh, we limit my kids' uh, time on the screen to just weekends. No weekdays, same, no video games. Same here, yeah. Other people, now, do you play video games with your kid? That's the, that's the question we're going to I do because uh, we do a lot of sports games. So okay. football, 
N- NBA Live. NBA 2K? Um, NBA Live. Oh, NBA 2K is the way to go. I grew up playing Madden and NBA Live. Sure. So, you know, that translates to my, my son playing. I played a lot of video games when I was young. Um, and I think I came out okay. You know, that there's been a lot of research about, you know, risks and benefits of video game playing. Um, but, but see, I, you mentioned the key word here. You play with your kids. So you never, like, say, hey, go play for a couple hours. It's a weekend. I'm going to go do some yard work and do some things around the house. I remember growing up, I used to just sit in the room and play for hours at a time. Right. And my parents didn't really, you know, I was I was out off the streets. So you're off the streets, but you were in the room. But, right. You know, was it quality time with your parents? No, because they're no. not playing with you. But I think the difference now is that some most of these games are social. So right, um, not just social, me and you playing, but online. Everyone's interconnected, so you have to watch out of you know who's playing with your kid. Is it really, you know, some you know young person or is it a, a grown man? In so there's safety shorts playing with your. That's your correct. Child. No, sure. But here's the other issue is that should we be maybe using video games as a way to spend quality time with our kids? So instead of saying, go play and I'm going to go do some errands, maybe like you do, like I do. I play tennis with my kid. Right. I actually play a Star Wars game. It's actually very fun. Legos? Lego Star Wars? Uh, no, Battlefront. Battlefront 2, actually. It's excellent. Uh, but we play together, right? And so the idea is if you play together, especially younger kids, maybe you can have teachable moments right. while you're playing. Right. Like what? Like, you know, every video game has a good versus bad. Maybe you can say, well, hey. Some hey. of the good things are, you know, involves problem solving. Correct. Communication. That's right. You know, the fine mortar skills that we are, already know about. Uh, memory. Focusing, willingness to learn. Yeah, memory right? and concentration. So these are all things that we have to master for adulthood. So who's to say it's not, you know, it's a bad thing if you do this and teach these things while playing video games. And I'll tell you, I have my own bias. I mean, I always thought, well, hey, Friday night should be game night. It should be board game night. Or we should play chess. Or we should do something. Those are all fun. And we do those things. But. There's no reason why you can't have a family night together playing video games. Yeah, when we think of video games, we think of something that's socially isolated. So someone right. playing in the room by themselves, um, you know, it could take away from your academic or physical activity. Um, you know, some games can be violent. That's so right. So I think all games have ratings, right? Right. So you have to find an age-appropriate game for your child. But you're right. With the whole idea of online community, I mean, this is collegial. It's like, uh, you know, following rules. You can make friends. Again, you have to be safe. We have to obviously say that again uh, and make sure that the kid's in a, in a safe environment. But, you know, there's games out there now that are, you know, Minecraft and others uh, that these kids are all playing together online. And it might not be such a bad thing to allow them to play. But like you said, not at the expense of physical activity, sports, other hobbies. Violin, maybe? Did your kids play the violin? Violin? Yeah. No, I played piano. Oh, it's impressive. I mean, no, no disrespect to violinists, but... You play the piano. A little bit more manly for you? Yeah, of course. John Legend in the making. All right. Um, so, but, so what negative things are, you, are we worried about here? I think there's some correlation with aggressive behavior in, in violent games. They don't necessarily make more criminals, but, you know, if you are if you can walk down the street and, you know, shoot somebody blindly, right? Um, that may lead to more aggression. Um, but like we mentioned before, just, you know, sitting in a room and, away from society, away from physical interaction. I think the same concept applies to phones, too. You know, social media, um, you need to actually put your phone down and just have some some quiet time and time with your family and friends and, you know, build that connection instead of so that's why it might not So be, it has to be some balance. Yeah, it might, that, so it might, first it has to be a balance of time, right? So you're right. saying an hour a day might be a-okay? So there was an Oxford study okay. that uh, looked at how much video game time is appropriate, so... 
And they looked at it from the psychological point of view. So an hour a day helped with your, your mental well-being as opposed to three hours a day, which had worse outcomes. So, you know, there's probably an hour a day doesn't seem like a long enough time for me to play. So the reason why I don't play is now because I, I know if I get into it, then that'll be most of the bulk of my time. It's not because you're a doctor and you're busy? No, but they're so they can be so addictive, right? You know? Like especially if you're not good at it, and I, you know it's it's not for me now. But uh, my kids love it, and you know I I think like you mentioned, uh, you know playing with your kid and try to you know especially games like Minecraft where you work together to try to, to solve be creative, a problem, solve right. a problem. Right. I mean, this, you have to focus on these games, right? Right. You have to pay attention. You got to follow the rules. Right. Again, all like we mentioned before, all concepts you have to master before you become an adult. So because my son will be playing a game and he'll get stuck somewhere, and I'll come and try to help him, right. and then we'll, we'll together we'll you know achieve the task. And I think it, and that's really what we're talking about problem solving. Problem solving. No, yeah, but this can be quality time, father son time, mom son time, father daughter time, whatever. This all so like, like anything in life, right? Anything can be taken to an extreme. Like you said, an hour is probably okay. Three hours, some studies have shown uh, to have worse outcomes. Um, you have to balance it. We know kids are all over schedule. I don't know about your kid. I'm sure the same. Lots of activities. So during the weekdays for us personally, I mean for my family, it's impossible to right. even find time to play video game. But I'm slowly coming around to the idea that on weekends, you know, uh, my son loves to read, does all those types of things. Sometimes you have to just chill out and sit in the sofa and play Bad video job. games. And if he wants to play, hey, Dad, you want to play with me? Absolutely. It's great. Awesome. So let's go play video games. So in the meantime, while we're playing video games, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and subscribe and hear more episodes. Go to holyname.org slash recommenddailydose. And don't forget to follow us on iTunes and Spotify and rate us and subscribe. Please, please. So in the meantime, I'm your host, Dr. Seward Sugger. I'm Dr. Clinton Coleman. We will see you next time. Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast at holyname.org slash recommended daily dose.